You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I am joined by the Million Dollar Man. He's back. He's the Hall of Famer. It's Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on, my friend? Brother, uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and uh, I feel good because I'm home with my family. You might say I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, wouldn't? I'm ready to rock and roll, brother. Let's do it. Man, it's who wouldn't feel like a million bucks? There's football, there's family, there's a ton of food. It's man, this is uh, this is true. Oh, yeah, I mean, time can't get any better than that, you know. Oh, brother, I'm I'm pumped up about it, and I'm also pumped up about what we're doing here today. It's our seventh edition of Ask Ted Anything, and Ted, Ooh. incredibly, you got more than three hundred fan questions. Oh my gosh, this online. I don't think we're going to be able to get up to all of them. <laughs> no, no, there's no way. But I mean, it's it just goes to show people absolutely love picking your brain. And I'm excited to, to go through some of these great questions with you. But before we do, you guys know what I'm up to. Get over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod and get subscribed. We've got some stories that you will not hear on the podcast over there that we drop every single Monday as YouTube exclusive clips. We have short bite-sized videos from the podcast, and we're doing two, count them, two giveaways. This time, it's Ted's new Target exclusive. Hang on, let me get all these together. It's Ted's new Target exclusive action figure, and we've also got, hopefully everybody can see this. I picked uh, up one of those. I think that's a Walmart special. <laughs> Our Walmart uh, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. The Walmart exclusive WWE superstars, like the He-Man style figure. By the way, Ted, I just saw that they're releasing more action figures of you. Did you see that? No. Yep, just came out. They did a big announcement. They, they, they announced it. Yeah, it was like it was like last week or something. I meant to text it to you and totally forgot. Um, but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll send you a, a screen grab of well, the action just, figures. Hey, keep them coming. Hey, yeah, it's it's a good thing, and it's a good thing over on our YouTube channel. All you have to yeah. do to be eligible to win those signed action figures is get over there and get subscribed. Again, it's youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. The nice part is, too, once you're subscribed there, you're going to be eligible for all future giveaways as well. So just go out of your way and do it. It's awesome over there. All right, let's get into these questions. There's plenty of them. If we don't ask your question this time around, it, we might ask, ask it next time because I will roll these over into the next one if we don't get through all of them. So let's get rolling here. We've got Drayton Holmes who asks, so many wrestlers in your era passed through the AWA at some point, but you never wrestled there. Did you ever get approached at any point to wrestle in the AWA? You know, it's funny. That's the one place I never went. Um the AWA was basically uh, based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, the promoter and own, owner was Vern Gagne. And um, that's funny because, and, and again, Vern Gagne and my dad wrestled each other in college. Yeah. And, and, and actually, and, and one of the few people to beat my dad was Vern Gagne. And it wasn't a pin. It was, it was points. 
you know, and then when I see that and it was like, it was very close. And so it was one of those things that it could have gone either way. Man. But, but, but Vern ended up having the bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> Vern, you know, to, to his credit, he started, you know, I mean, uh, he, that's, he, he started that territory. He was the guy. And, um, um, I remember, uh, when we were trying to go back and live in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, my dad was, we, we were living in Omaha. My dad was working the Kansas city territory. Well, Kansas city is only 200 miles from Omaha. And, and so he, he could do that. But again, lots of travel back and forth from Omaha. Um, uh, and in, uh, um, but in Omaha, the TV in, in Omaha was not the TV in Omaha came was coming out of, I think Minnesota or, or it was local. But I know Vern Gagne came down because he was, he was always on the show. He, he, you know, he was always on the wrestling show in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And and then my dad, you know, that's funny. My and we lived there. My dad, you know, they weren't wrestling each other because my dad wasn't working that territory. So, Ted, I also wanted to show you. Uh, there's there's an interesting photo out there of uh, you with Nick Bockwinkle, who is a huge AWA guy. Um, there's the photo itself, and it looks like you two are kind of wrestling over a belt. You know, Nick was pretty much synonymous with the AWA. Do you remember the circumstances surrounding this very fascinating photo? Um, is that the AWA World T- Championship? It looks like. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you where Nick Bockwinkle and I would run into each other. Houston. Oh, okay. okay. And like I said, Houston was one of those towns that drew its talent from everywhere. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that would be the only, that's the only place we could have taken that picture together. It's a really cool shot. Uh, we'll have to share it on our social media. Um, all right. Next up, we've got Roman Gomez who asks, your black glove was called Maggie. Any significance to using the name Maggie for the black glove? Uh, no, I just, you know, um, I, I guess the influence was uh, there was a song, Maggie May. Oh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. And so uh, for whatever reason, you know, yeah, I, you know, I said, you know, old Maggie here. Um, so that's, that was the influence. Maggie May, the, the, the Rod Stewart song. I like it, man. Simple. I, I load old Maggie up, knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Jonathan Michael, who asks, when you introduced The Undertaker at Survivor Series 1990, did you have any idea that he would go on for another 30 years and become the best character the company had ever produced? Actually, Ted, as we're recording this right now, today is the 33rd anniversary of Survivor Series 1990. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I had no idea. I mean, and, and here's the thing. is like, uh, that's the first time that I ever met Mark, his real name, uh, is, is his, his debut there. And it was, it was it, the, the reason I introduced him is Vince told me to, <laughs> it's like, you know, that was a deal. You know, I guess it wasn't like he was, uh, coming, coming on board and board and being a part of my ship, but no, I don't think anybody realized how long uh, of a run that, uh, the undertaker would have. I mean, I mean, 
I can still remember like the last couple of times I was working for him. And, you know, and by that time, obviously I'm just, I'm, I'm talking and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a producer. I'm, I'm back backstage all together. And I remember saying, Mark, how many times are you going to do this? I mean, he kept retiring and then coming out of retirement, right? Uh, one more, just one more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that same event, Survivor Series 1990, Ted, and this is just me uh, freewheeling it here because I want to hear your answer on this one. Um, it was also famous for another debut. So The Undertaker came out. And then also that night, the gobbledygooker came out of the egg. Uh, what were your thoughts as an old school guy seeing the gobbledygooker come out and dance with me and Gene? Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh I, you know, um, it, and it was just hilarious. I mean, it's like, what else could it be? The gobbledygooper. Gooper. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanksgiving, right? It was Thanksgiving, yeah. 1990, and yeah. uh, who was the gobbledygooker? Do you remember? Uh, yes, I do. It's uh, Hector Guerrero. Hector Guerrero. <laughs> what a good, but a good guy for it. Yeah, awesome athlete. Like, I guess one of the oh, big yeah. draws was that, like, hey, he's a great athlete. He can do like flips and stuff. He's into like gymnastics and whatnot. Yeah. So he'll be perfect for it. But apparently, it was the 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 suit he was in was so restrictive he couldn't do any of his his usual flips and yeah, right. all that stuff. So kind of yeah. hampered him. Uh, but man, it's uh, kind of feels like uh, the a rough a rough go of things there for Hector Guerrero. I'm sure he would have liked to have come in in a different manner. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, C&J Collectibles is up next. You were in some of the most influential factions in wrestling history. Which faction did you have the most fun in? Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, you know, okay, you have to, you'd have to name them for me. Uh, we can run a couple down. We've got the NWO, which I'm sure was fun in the beginning, but you've you've noted before they became less fun as, uh, as Bischoff kind of stole your role. Uh, we've also got the Rat Pack. You've got Money Incorporated. Trying to think of others, Ted, and I'm I'm uh, drawing a blank. I mean, Money Inc. Yeah. Oh, wait, Money Money Inc. And uh, what was it was uh, the Million Dollar Corporation? Yeah, well, I th- and I think the cor- the corporation probably was the biggest. And in, uh, in other words, by that time, I was I was not a physical wrestler. I was I was in a managing role, and I was managing the corporation. And it was the, the talent that was in the corporation. You know, I had some, you know, some real headliners in my, in my, in my camp, right? Yeah. I mean, some awesome names in there, you know, between Sid and one, two, three kid and uh, King Kong Bundy comma. So you had some pretty fun, fun names in there Tatanka. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's a good one, man. I, you know, I thought for sure though, that you were going to say the Rat Pack was your favorite. Well, you know, okay. The, the, I guess, uh, Okay, now I was a manager, you know, with the with the corporation, but the Radback, as far as me and as a faction and me as still a physical wrestler, would absolutely absolutely be at the top of the list. I mean, you know, me and uh, was it Matt Bourne and uh, Axaw? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fun to watch. And then and and then you know uh, you know something I think that might have helped break up the uh, the Radback is that. Uh, that uh, Matt Bourne and uh, and and uh, and my my buddy didn't get along too well. Well, 
Yeah. Funny you should yeah. funny you should bring that up, Ted, because the literally the next question is Bruce Frederick who asks, Were you there when Hacksaw beat up Matt Bourne? Were you present for that? <laughs> yes, I was. I was. I was there. You know, it's kind of like, you know, um Matt had to be put in his place, you know, and and, and I don't know why. You know what the big deal was with with and you know I can't remember. I mean they just you know just you know I think it was uh, maybe fighting over uh, okay Ted's number one because you know I'm the leader of the the Rat Pack and uh, who's number two? You know. Well, uh, interestingly, so I also do a podcast with Hacksaw on AdFreeShows.com and it's an exclusive over there. So go check it out. It's called the Hacksaw Hour. And uh, I spoke to him about it, and he was saying that at one point, Matt was apparently being rough with some woman at a bar, and Jim kind of escorted her into a car and away from Matt, and then Matt kicked a dent into Hacksaw's car. And so that that prompted Hacksaw to come after him. Does that ring a bell for you? No. You know what? I I never got that story. (laughs) <laughs> never never got that for the rest of the story <laughs> <laughs> now there was also he and this was covered on dark side of the ring because apparently some guy in the crowd came after jim jim punched him knocked him down and to jim okay that's the end of it but apparently while the guy was down matt Bourne took the liberty of kicking the guy uh in the face badly enough to uh break his orbital bone and then a lawsuit ensued were you there whenever that incident took place Mm, I think I was. Yeah. And now that you brought it up. Yeah, that was that was bad. Yeah. And uh, cost Jim. You know, if I'd have been Jim, I'd have been pissed off, too. Yeah. I mean, the guy's already down on the ground. It's over. Jim got it. And and so, you know, number one, Jim's attacked by the guy Mm -hmm. and just puts him down. And then, and then more, you know, it's like, you know, in my opinion, Jim shouldn't have been part of that lawsuit. That lawsuit should have been on Matt Bourne, period. Well, the way the Jim tells it, apparently Matt skipped town. Uh, he left the territory at that time and got out of Mid-South and, you know, apparently never incurred any legal fees. So Jim was kind of stuck with it. Wow. Yep. Uh, Bruce has got another follow-up on this, uh, or not this, but uh, another follow-up on a fight story. Uh, were you there when John Nord and Butch Reed got into their big fist fight in Mid-South? Um, I don't, I, you know what, I, I don't think I was, for whatever reason I wasn't there. But I mean, obviously I was, uh, you know, I was, I, you know, I found out about it because it was like right away. We were wrestling every night. So yeah, well, apparently the you know the fight uh, got pretty bad, and then uh, and then Watts was like, "Okay, you guys." He actually kind of made them finish it. He he was like, "Okay, if you guys got to get this out of your system, so you fight each other right here and now." And <laughs> that's that's uh, that's what I've been told over the years. So that sounds like a Bill Watts way to approach it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's Bill. Uh, next up, we've got Jameson Ross Spargo, who asks, who is your favorite and least favorite booker? Wow. Who? Hmm. Well, when I was working for Bill Watts, um, 
one of the guys that booked for Bill and did a very good job uh, was um, Buck Robley. Ah, okay. You know, um, and um, trying to think. Um, when I first went to Atlanta, I'm trying to think who, oh, you, you would think that I, okay. Um, no, not only the, the guy that, and they were, they were brothers, Robert Fuller. Ah, okay. Robert Fuller, nice guy, but you know, I'm sorry when it comes to booking wrestling, he didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> horrible, horrible booker. And actually, I, you know, uh, and, and Jim Barnett obviously was the the guy that he everybody had the answer to. And eventually, he got Buck Robley to come in there, and Buck saved it. I mean, yeah, it was kind of like uh, what Jim Barnett told uh, told uh, you know Robert Fuller was there. You know, basically, he told him he said, you know, uh, there's the possibility that Ted DiBiase is in line for being the next NWA or one of the next NWA World Champions. Get him over. The way he got me over was he put me with himself in tag team matches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he wasn't just getting me over. He was trying to get his own butt over, you know. And so it, anyway, it didn't last very long. And just, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe not the way to do it. No, but I mean, uh, just in general, uh, the, the booking was just horrible. Uh, Buck Robley, I've heard that he was a, uh, a an interesting character as well. Uh, what was he oh, like? He, he, Buck was, yeah, I mean, Buck liked his weed. <laughs> he, he liked to smoke that weed, but a brother, it, it didn't affect him. His, his knowledge of the wrestling business was very good. I mean, and, and he booked, and he booked very well. Uh, he booked for Bill. I mean, I know Bill Watts isn't going to get you uh, uh, to be a booker if, if, if you're not worth a shit. So he, he was one of the guys that booked for Bill. And another guy that booked for Bill that was very good was Ernie Ladd. Oh, yeah. The big cat, man. He was good. Very good. Smart guy uh, from everything I've heard and well-respected by everybody. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, let's take a minute to discuss our fantastic sponsor that is changing the lives of men everywhere. Of course, we are talking about Blue Chew. Are you ready to perform with the confidence of the million-dollar man in the bedroom? Are you ready to leave your partner feeling like a million bucks? Are you ready to get that thing so hard you can go hunting with it? If the answer to all those questions is yes, it's time for you to give Blue Chew a try. Blue Chew can help increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the very most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready when that opportunity springs up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part of it, it's all done online. You can forget about those visits to the doctor's office, no more weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. It comes right to you. 
Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But you know the drill, guys. There's not going to be anything discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Listen, I know what your next question is. Will it actually work? Why don't you try it for free and find out for yourself? Something free from the Million Dollar Man? That's right. You can try it right now for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Place your order now and give your partner a very pleasant surprise. Women are attracted to confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Time to chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. Uh, Evan Peterson is up next and he asks, who was the worst smelling wrestler that you ever worked with? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I don't think, I, I don't think I ever had the opportunity to have to experience that. Really? <laughs> I, I really don't. I can't remember, uh, you know. No, you know, that's something that you would, you would remember is like, oh, my God, uh, that guy really stunk. But no, I don't think. Yeah. You know, everybody always talks about Vader probably being the worst if, if they, they worked with him. I know that you never ended up working with him. Um, but Jake recently told me about working with uh, Andre and how Andre was a little gassy in the ring. Did you ever experience that? Well, I mean, you know. Gassy's one thing. I mean, Gassy's <laughs> like you know, he's in there cutting farts, you know. And and, <laughs> and if, but I mean, you got to understand. I was on. I was never Andre's opponent. I was always Andre's <laughs> partner. Always. <laughs> but, so you were in a good spot. You didn't have to but, deal. But with I, that. I've got to tell the story. And we're, we're in Japan. And I may have told it before. We're in Japan. And we just gotten there. We drop our bags, and, and everybody's going to go out and get something to eat. And and so hit the elevator button, and uh, the door opens, and there's Andre. His let's go eat, boss. Okay, and the and the elevator starts down, and it stops like on every other floor. And every every time the door opens, uh, two or three more little Japanese people get on the on on the elevator. Now, Marcus, you and I, and any rational person would have said three stops ago that the elevator was full. Mm -hmm. okay? Not in Japan. You see, Japan, the whole country, the entire country is about the size of the state of California. Mm -hmm. But the population of Japan is half that of, of the United States. Insane. That's, yes, and that's really stacking them up. So, <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, they keep getting on. Andre reaches over and gives me a little tap. And I looked up at him and he, and he winked at me. The door closes. And the next thing you hear is the loudest, longest fart <laughs> I can ever remember in my life. I mean, I'm looking straight forward and I'm thinking to myself, I know it's the giant. But how could any human possibly have that much air in their body? 
And the, the, <laughs> and the really sad thing was I kept thinking, the poor guy that's standing directly behind Andre. Oh, no. Who is just butt level. Because, I mean, you know, Andre was 7'4", and all those <laughs> Japanese guys are maybe five my maybe five feet. So he was he was getting the dose right, right in the right. face. Oh no. And brother, I'm gonna tell you something. When that elevator door opened, it was like the exodus. <laughs> <laughs> Those people were tripping over each other trying to get out the door. <laughs> and as the door closed, all you could hear was Andre going. Oh, 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 oh. He looked at me and he says, they won't crowd the big man anymore, will they? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God. I've yeah. never heard that one before. That was great. Oh, it was. It was. Uh, but you'd appreciate it a whole hell of a lot more if you were there. Oh, I'm glad I wasn't. I don't want to be smelling that. That sounds miserable. Oh, Lord. Oh, that is something else. Uh, I see the whole time I was picturing his back against the back of the elevator. I, would, I, I wasn't picturing somebody behind. That is brutal. That is brutal. Oh, it's, it's going to be hard to beat that, but we'll try. Uh, Red Morris is up next, and he asks, "Did you ever have to work against someone who is really high or really drunk?" Ah. Uh. I don't know. I don't think so. That's pretty no. lucky. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I fortunately never had to do that. And, you know, and I'll be honest with you, if anything like that would have happened, if I would have gotten in the ring with anybody and I, and, and I realized that they were just drunk on their butt or high as a kite, uh, I would end the match very quickly. And then, you know, and then when we got back in the dressing room, all hell would break loose. Yeah. Because, uh, sure. you know, this person's kind of taking another person. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, because the first rule of wrestling is my, my, my first job is to take care of the other guy's body. Because mm -hmm. we're doing bumps and all that other stuff. And there's times when things, you know, I mean, you, know, you get sweaty and so you, you slip. It's it's only it's it's it, you're it, the idea is this you're always going to try to protect your opponent first, even even at at, at your at the, at the risk of of you getting hurt. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's but you know what? It works. Yeah, and you know, I, I it sounds like most guys for the most part were you know yeah. on the street and narrow when they climb into the ring. Oh, but yeah. you you do hear the horror stories about some guys being drunk, some guy taking maybe too many somas before he goes to the ring, and it almost never ends well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Tony Weston who asks, "Who is the worst second generation wrestler of all time?" So we're always talking about the skills of second generation wrestlers. Who do you think is the worst you've ever seen? A second generation wrestler. Oh gosh, I don't know. Name some. Well, it's you know, I I think that uh, what I'm guessing Tony is referencing or just saw before he asked that question is Ric Flair's son, David. Um, now, David, I I've been around him I think once, and he seemed like a really nice guy, and I'm sure he's a great human being, but uh, he was not his dad in the wrestling ring, and you could certainly see that. So that's that's one of the names that stands out, at least for me personally, as somebody who just wasn't cut out for wrestling. Yeah, and uh, you know, and uh, of course, you know, I. I've met that, but I've never, I, I've never seen him. 
in the ring ever. Ah, okay. I didn't, I, I didn't know he ever was in the ring. Um, and that's probably why, because it was short lived. It would have been right after you left WCW. He came to WCW and uh, started to get kind of like a mini push, you know, because of who he was. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it took about 30 seconds of watching him in a match to see, like, okay, he is definitely not ready. Um, yeah. yeah. So, unfortunate. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, you know, second generation guys. Most of the second generation guys I know are, are were good. Um, you know, Orton, um, uh, who else? Uh, uh, the Guerreros. Yeah. Cody. Cody. Yeah. Jake. Yeah. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, I can't think of any others right offhand, but you know, the, the ones that I can, can recall were, were pretty good. Robert E. DeWitt is up next. Who was the hardest or most dangerous wrestler to work with? I've heard Goldberg was a bit dangerous with his work ethic, and a lot of wrestlers didn't want to work with him. What's your opinion? So, Ted, we know that the Ultimate Warrior is at the very top of your list when it comes to... Hey, you took the words out of my mouth. The Ultimate Idiot. <laughs> See, That's I, what I called it. The Ultimate Idiot. I knew where he, you were going. Uh, I'm sorry he couldn't find his ass with both hands. <laughs> is there anybody uh, else, though, that, that stands out as somebody that you would get in there and just have trouble getting a good match out of? Uh, I can't think of anybody that was, um, you know, that I worked with enough to have that opinion. I mean, there, there, there had been like jobbers uh, that we call them guys that were there basically. Cause uh, you know, on the TV shows, oftentimes, you know, you were just given a guy who didn't have a name. Nobody knew him, but he was, you know, your opponent. And basically he was there to get his butt kicked. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that, that's what we call them jobbers. And there'd been a couple of times when I was in the ring with guys like that, when you're trying to tell them what to do and they, they, they don't know what they're doing or they're, or they get in there and they would, they would just kind of, because, you know, they've never been on TV before and they freeze up or something. But other than that, you know, I, I can't think of, you know, I can't thank anybody. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think of somebody to pitch your way and I can't really come up with much of anybody. I know that, you know, like King Kong Bundy in the mid South or the Georgia days was not, you know, considered like a super polished guy and maybe a guy that would be hard to get a good match out of, but, no, but you know, but I know I had no problem with him and, and, and you know, and he's, he's a smart guy. Yeah, I mean, he interviewed well, you know, he was, he was good. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, you know, we we would tease each other, and I can't remember what it was about all the time. But the big joke with him was Ernie Ladd giving him shit about being lazy and saying, "Bundy, you're stealing money." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> I would I would mimic. I would come in the dressing room and mimic Ernie Bundy. Bundy, you're you're stealing money from Mid South Bundy. <laughs> hilarious uh um all right well yeah again good you know it's uh, you don't want to be having to call out a bunch of guys who are terrible now i here's the thing i hear about job guys because you mentioned them 
uh, is that a lot of times they just were local guys that were being brought in and thereby just weren't good and didn't know what they were doing in the ring. And guys like Kevin Sullivan and the Steiners, and I could probably name tens of other people, but uh, they would they would force them to cooperate, for lack of a better way to put it, where if the guy is in the ring with him and he's not moving the way they want him to, okay, I'm going to force you to move the way I want you to. And they would kind of get rough with them. Kevin Sullivan would do that double stomp on their chest, and the Steiners, of course, would stretch him out there in the ring. Did you ever have to uh, take liberties with a job guy? There was only maybe once or twice where, you know, I had to get somebody's attention to let let them know, you know, who's running this show and, and why you're here. You know, you're not here to get over. You're here to get me over. Uh-huh. And, you know, and of course, which is something that they should know from the get go and were told from the get go, you know. And uh, yeah, so I had, you know, um uh, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't rough too many people up. You know, I just, that wasn't in my nature, but I would, I would rough them up enough to get their attention. Just like a quick stiff shot to say like, all right, wake up, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh All right. Uh, Martin Pollock is up next. Any good Michael Hayes stories, anything of uh, any good Michael stories stand out? Everybody seems to have one. Oh gosh, I, yeah, I loved Michael Hayes. Uh, I, I still do. I'm gonna tell you something. Michael Hayes is really a sharp guy, you know, and uh, he 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 gets a lot of ideas. I mean, you know, he was, you know, uh, he and and uh, I think he and Gordy were the original uh, Freebirds, and then uh, Buddy 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 was added later. Uh, and I tell you what, Buddy's really good too. Uh, I, you know, I would say of the three, Terry Gordy uh, and Buddy Roberts would be your best workers. Mm-hmm. And I would say Terry probably and really good because I, I, you know, I had some matches. I, I worked with Terry even in Japan, you know, because uh, we would we'd been on tours together over there. Um, and uh, I loved his work. Michael. Michael is a great idea guy, you know, Michael be a great idea. Like, you know, like, okay, well, let's do this for a finish. But Michael in the ring, (laughs) it's like, he was rough. He was a little rough around the edges, you know, and he just, you know, I, you know, I, I never considered Michael like a, uh, like a tremendous, uh, worker, you know, um, he had the flamboyance of the, of the team and the career. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, again, you know what Michael had? Charisma. Ton of it. Yep. Yeah, he and he was. He was the mouthpiece for the Freebirds, and he did it very well. And Terry Gordy, before he wound up, uh, you know, of course, having that, that unfortunate situation on the airplane, uh, I've, I've heard from just about everybody, like an, uh, an absolutely remarkable worker. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Next up, we've got Ed Reese, who's got a simple question, but I don't know if you've uh, spent much time watching this guy. So let's see. Uh, he wants to know, what do you think of CM Punk? Um, I think he's pretty good. You know, um, I don't know him that well. I mean, I you know, I've, I've run into him a couple of times. Like, you know, I've seen him at an autograph session or two. I mean, he's, he's, he's a likable guy. Uh, 
but I have, I, you know, I, I haven't watched. And again, uh, you know, you know, Mayakopa, 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 but I haven't watched a lot of wrestling for a very long time. And, and, uh, did I love the business? Yeah. Do I still love the business? Yeah. I wish them all well, but it's hard for me to watch the current product because I just don't agree with what they're doing. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like I watch the men and it looks like a tumbling act. Mm-hmm. High spot, high spot, you know, we call, why would you call something a high spot? It's because somewhere in a match where you're on the mat grappling and, 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 and trying to get the advantage, then all of a sudden you get up and you go off and hit the ropes and tackle and whatever. High spot. That's a high spot. You know, you, you know, in, 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 in a, in a 20 minute match, you know, I might have, you know, done uh, six or seven high spots or eight high spots. But it's not just one high spot after the other. It's not like, uh, you know, and and selling. You know, the reason nothing gets over is you have to sell it to get it over. If 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 you're really getting hurt, then you need to act like you're really getting hurt. You know, and so if you're if you're getting your butt kicked and then the guy clotheslines you over the top rope to the floor and you bounce up like a jackrabbit. And like you never got, you know, hit. You know, you, you, I, I want you guys to understand or listen to me. What I'm trying to say here. What I what I see missing, and I hate to say this, but especially with the guys, is believability. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody knows that wrestling is show business now. Okay, but I always used to say this. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to do the best that I can do to make this people believe what they're seeing. It's like when you walk into a good movie, when you see a good movie, why do some actors become mega stars and some don't become stars? It's because the mega stars are the ones that make you believe, you know, during that two hours you're sitting, you, you know, it's a movie mm-hmm. during that two hours, you're sitting in that seat they can make you mad. They can make you cry. They, they play on your emotions. That's what a that's what a good wrestling match is supposed to do. And I haven't seen it done uh, that that way. I'll be honest for a very long time. The real art is doing it in front of a live crowd. That's the difference. You know, back when I was a young wrestler, we wrestled every night in front of a different crowd. You know, sometimes weekly, but every night we got in the, fr- in the in the ring in front of a live crowd and had a match and you listen to the crowd. Well, now, you, even in the developmental program, I think they only have a live show once a week. To me, that doesn't work. The old school way of learning our trade is gone. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's the thing. I, I'm just I don't know how else to explain it. It's like. Because you 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 react off of the crowd, you know, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, you might do something one night and get a great response from a crowd. You do it again the next night, and they don't they don't res- if they don't if they don't respond the way you think they're going to, then you have to be smart enough to think on your feet and do something else 
that's going to get them where you want them. The reason Jake Roberts and I have such good chemistry in the ring is we both were raised in this business when it was taught the old school way. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I think he would agree with everything I'm saying right now. You, 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 you know, you can't go out there uh, and, and just, uh, you can't go out there and do the same thing every night. You can't, um, it's, 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 it's something that you have to feel. And it depends on the crowd and the crowd's different every night. Uh, and, um, I mean, and, you know, and, and again, when I, Jake and I wrestled, we, we talked in the ring the whole time. I mean, you know, there's ways that we can talk and, and hide it and, or, you know, you know, when I want to call a spot and I'm down there and I'd say, I'd look at the referee and I, I would give the referee the high spot and he would give it to Jake or vice versa, something like that. But it was all, um, it was all on the spur of the moment. It was, um, I don't want to spur of the moment sounds. Um, it, it was, it was improvised. You guys were doing it on the spot. Yeah. You were reacting live to, to what was yeah. happening around you, yeah. you know? And one of the things that frustrates me is, you know, I'm a modern fan who loves the old school wrestling is that whenever I see it nowadays, you know, I'll see, you know, whatever, 15 super kicks in a match and three DDTs and all these like really impressive looking moves. And then none of them, nobody's selling them. Right. And it's like, so after a while, it just becomes like white noise where it's like if somebody hits a super kick and you're like, oh, cool, what's next? You know, we're back in the day. It used to be somebody hits that super kick and you're like, oh, this might be the end of the match. Yeah. Okay, guys, the holiday season has arrived. And if your house is like mine, there is a lot to do and not a lot of time for preparing meals. By the time I finish up with work, I have to take care of my daughter or do a bunch of housework, take care of my holiday shopping, decorate the house, and the list just never seems to end. I don't want to do fast food or make some quick, unhealthy meal here at home either. That's why I absolutely love and Ted and I both fully endorse our sponsor, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Whether it's a nutritious, convenient meal for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, they've got me covered with dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals that come right to my door. I'm saving time. I'm eating well. I'm not spending a bunch of time doing dishes, and I'm staying on track with healthy meals that are done in minutes. With Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Why not skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor 2? Choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your personal meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat inside of just two minutes. That's it. And if you're looking for special occasional meals during the holidays, you can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. And look, if you're trying to watch what you eat during this time of year, it can be a struggle with all the delicious but high-calorie foods floating around out there. 
Well, with Factory, you can try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving, which is absolutely perfect if you're trying to drop a couple pounds. Did I mention that you can enjoy extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit a variety of preferences? Choose from breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, you can try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. And again, it's ready in just two minutes. You cannot buy that kind of time. No prep, no mess. It's time, guys. Head to factormeals.com slash EGAP50 and use code EGAP50 to get 50% off. Again, that's code EGAP50 at factormeals.com slash EGAP50 to save 50%. I cannot speak highly enough about this product. Ted and I were actually just talking about it. He got his shipment. He was saying how it's so convenient, how he loves not having to do dishes, especially with all the kids running around his house. And let me say, the meals are delicious. They've got some incredible options. If you're not doing factor meals, you are seriously missing out. Just give it a try and save 50% right now. Again, it's factormeals.com slash EGAP50. And remember to use our code EGAP50 to get 50% off. Um, Captain Class 87 asks, what wrestler from ECW would you have loved to square off with? Ted, did you ever watch a single second of ECW back in the day? Um, not really. I, it just does not seem like something that you'd be tuning into uh, to me. No. But, uh, uh, you know, Taz, right? He was in WWE for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, whenever I, I see old school ECW Taz in his prime, uh, that seems like a guy that you would have had really good chemistry with. Are you familiar no. with, with with much of his work? Uh, not Not really. I mean, I heard good things about him. You know, I haven't heard, I've never heard, you know, I've never heard how oh, that guy's horrible. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always uh, great wrestler, cool yeah. look, you know, yeah. uh, and very, very believable out there in the ring. He seemed like he was actually ready to tear a guy's head off whenever you get in the ring with him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, really, he's kind of hit his stride now as an announcer. He's with AEW now as an yeah. announcer. Um, but I did want to ask, too, before we got off the subject of ECW, have you spent any time around Paul Heyman at all? Not a lot. Really not a lot. You know, I, I, I know Paul enough to say hello. Oh, okay. How you doing? How things going? You know, but I've never I've never had a time. You know, I've never had any time, you know, like, you know, going to dinner or, you know, all that other stuff, you know, I've never, you know, so like I probably not had more than a five, you know, five minutes with him. Gotcha. Time, you know, just see him in the building, wherever we are, we're there, we're both there for the same reason, whatever. So anyway, but okay. uh, I don't know. What's the general, general consensus on, on him? Generally speaking, uh, he's considered nowadays uh, possibly the greatest manager of all time, uh, even over Bobby Heenan. A lot of people will put him, um, you know, because he managed Brock Lesnar and now he manages uh, Roman Reigns and his crew of guys. So a lot of people consider him the the greatest to ever do it. Well, you know, that might be, you know. 
Uh, but I, 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 again, I don't want to, I, I, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to, because I, I don't, I don't see enough of today's wrestling to judge. <laughs> I say that, uh, because every time I watch enough of today's wrestling, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm serious. I, re- I can remember having conversations with Terry Funk. And Terry would get on the phone and, and he'd say, Teddy, did you see that shit the other night? <laughs> and I, I said, Terry, stop watching it. I said, all it's going to do is make you mad. And, and sure as hell, I'd get on the phone with him again and he'd go, golly, did you see that stupid shit? <laughs> I said, Terry, you're, you're killing yourself. <laughs> you're, you're, all it's going to do is make you mad. Oh man, some of the stuff that he was watching, I'm sure. Uh, you know, if he's watching modern wrestling, it's oh boy, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I can see where a guy like Terry Funk would not be pleased. Matthew Golden is up next. What were your thoughts on Rick Martel? Why do you think he got completely out of wrestling? Another great heel, Rick. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know, and I, you know, I knew Rick, I didn't know him. Uh, you know, it's you know, it's like I didn't have it's like I have a I have a, a a great relationship with Jake and it's a few other guys, you know, guys that yeah, you, know, you know, I didn't get too close to too many guys, but uh, there was a guy who was a great guy. Every, I mean, got along with him fine, and I just don't know. I don't, I don't know why I didn't stay. Uh, you know, and that's a good question. Now, now that you now that he asked the question, I, I, I'd like to know. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, he doesn't even do appearances anymore. He's just yeah. completely out. And, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of fans who would love to see him and get his autograph and picture and all that kind of thing. And he just doesn't do it, which I mean, good for him. I've heard it's it's hard to get it out of your system. So he did it. Um, Next up, we've got Kevin Cornohos, I think is how you say it. Did you ever wrestle in the Calgary Stampede territory? And have you ever visited the dungeon when the WWE came to Calgary? <laughs> Uh, I have wrestled in Calgary and, uh, I am very, very much aware of the, the, uh, story of, uh, uh, the family <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stew, stew stories, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not easy being a heart. <laughs> no uh having a dungeon where your father would torture uh hopeful wrestlers down there in the basement is probably not it's it's probably a pretty weird way to grow up did you ever set foot in the heart house um i don't think so you know i don't think i, I don't think i did and i it's probably a good thing i'm gonna guess that yeah. you probably would have tried to get you to come down to the to the no, basement I mean, you know like uh, i mean by that time Stu. You know, you know, the guys that that suffered in the dungeon were guys that were just starting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like Stu's way of breaking you in and making you appreciate what what you're what's being done for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the things I've heard, I could just picture Stu saying to you, like, oh, I've heard your father was a really good wrestler. Maybe you want to come downstairs and <laughs> 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 do you have a Stu impression? Oh, yeah, you you go, okay, okay, yes. <laughs> I can I can still hear people <laughs> imitating Stu Hart. Oh, Bruce does a great one, Bruce Pritchard. Um, oh yeah, he's got a good one of just about everybody. Uh, actually, speaking of somebody, he does a great impression of Chip Hodges. Wants to know what was it like to work with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. <laughs> There's an impression. Feel effect appeal, funky like a monkey. Don't flip fly. Flip flop and fly, if you will. <laughs> All right, there you go, folks. That's an underrated impression by Ted I loved the dream. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, and, and I, I tell you what, when Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch were, were a tag team, you know, I think they called them the Outlaws. I think that they went to uh, Australia, I think, together or something. But the first time I met Dusty was in Dick Murdoch's house in Amarillo, you know, and, and I, you know, I just, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, I, but I just, but uh, you don't, you didn't, I didn't get to appreciate how good Dusty was until I got the opportunity to have a program with him. You know, when, 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 when <laughs> you know, and then when he came back and, and, uh, and, and and uh, Vince put the the polka dots on him and stuff. I mean, I think it was a rib, but you know what? He took it and ran with it. Yep. He took it and made it work. You know, and I I think to that to to his credit, you know, uh, well, what, what, what was that? What's Sapphire? <laughs> <laughs> Dusty. I mean, I I could talk about Dusty all day. I did want to ask before we get off the subject of Dusty. Jake has said before that there was one guy that, uh, you know, when he was early in his career that he was nervous getting into the ring with, and that's Dusty Rhodes, just because it's you're stepping into the ring with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about, you know, stepping between the ropes with a, a legend in the business like Dusty? Well, by the time I got in the ring with Dusty, you know, um, it, you know, I, you know, I'd, I'd been the million dollar man. Um, I'd been in the business for, for, for years and, and I had, you know, I had, I had known Dusty. I mean, like, um, um, I, I mean, it wasn't, I, I wasn't terrified because I mean, I had, I just had great respect for his, for who he was, you know, and, and, and the fact that I was getting the opportunity to work with him. The ultimate showman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, our last one yeah, this week. Like you know, this, this now you got. There's a story he tells about me. Oh please! While I was back when I when I was working for the company and I was you know I was part of the creative team. Uh, we stayed at the same hotel in Stamford, Connecticut, and one morning, you know, uh, we went down and 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 uh, and had breakfast, and and I just fell off my chair and like. Anyway, but to tell, here Dusty tells the story. He said, Teddy, he says, you, 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 you were eating your, you were eating your eggs. And he said, you took a, you took a, you give me a coffee and you put your coffee down and uh, your eyes roll in the back of your head and you fell right off your chair. 
<laughs> Listen, I picked you up and I threw you over my shoulder and I raced out the front door. I threw you in my car. I raced you to the hospital. I saved your life. I saved your life. <laughs> Uh, I, I just asked Dusky every time we get in the crown. I said, Dusky, Dusty, tell everybody how you say shaved save me. <laughs> he goes, he, he's great. He is just sensational. What happened? Why'd you fall off your chair? I, I it was just one of those things. Uh, I was, uh, I guess they said. I mean, they. I, I stayed one night in a, uh, the Stanford Hospital, and it was. I, I don't know, lack of fluid or, or something. Okay. I don't know. It was, you know, it was, it was nothing serious. Like uh, dehydration. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Well, glad you're all right. And glad the American dream saved you. That's incredible. I saved my life. <laughs> Not everybody gets to have a dusty saving their life story, but you do. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question. It's professor cookie Athens. And they ask, what do you think of the fans who dress as wrestlers and takes pictures with you at the cons also have you ever had to take a picture with a fan dressed up as you oh yeah i've done that i've, I've, I've done a few of those i mean i you know that's i mean that's really you know i have you know i'm grateful it's like it's like they thought enough of me as a character on a show they liked to actually dress up like me and 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 uh i mean to make a uh, an outfit you know like I mean, I've, I've had, I've had, uh, I've had couples come in with their newborn babies dressed like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. And I, and, and, uh, me taking a picture, you know, with a baby dressed in a million dollar man tuxedo. That's pretty unique. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, you know, again, I'm, I'm very grateful. I mean, I've always said, you know, wrestling fans are the greatest fans in the world. Cause they're so loyal, you know, once, once they're with you, they're with you. And, uh, and yeah, anyway, now, Hey, if I, I tell everybody, I said, if it weren't for fans, I wouldn't have made any money. <laughs> That's right. I mean, That's you, right. you no know, fans, no money. <laughs> you owe, you owe your career to the fans. That's right. Absolutely. Now, uh, has anybody ever shown you a tattoo of yourself? Yes. What what do you think when you see forever emblazoned your image on somebody's body? Uh, that is really, I, I don't know. That's that's going a little bit too far. But <laughs> hey, to, to each your own, man. It's got. I guess everybody has a price. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Ted, I don't think we're going to beat that one. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we are resuming our look back to WCW in 1996. We're talking about November. We'll be talking about the continuation of the Hogan and Piper deal, the Build the Starcade, World War III, all that fun stuff. Uh, I can't wait to jump back into that story with you. But before we go, got to remind you guys to get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Get signed up for Premier Plus. Tons of sports and entertainment over there. And if you're a wrestling fan or just a fan of sports and entertainment, great content over there. If you're just looking for something new to watch, it's there. Go to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Sign up for Premier Plus. If you're enjoying the show and uh, you're listening on your podcast app, please just take a moment, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. That does a big favor for Ted and I. Follow Ted on MDM Ted DiBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X. And follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. I love doing the Ask Ted Anything uh, stuff with you, Ted. It's always interesting to hear what fans come up with. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, uh, hey, you know, you never know. <laughs> you never do know. Uh, but we know that we'll see you guys next week here on the show, right, Ted? Absolutely. And remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> see you next time on Everybody's Got a Pod.